The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the hosts and guests as individuals and do not necessarily reflect those of advertisers or sponsors. This show is intended as entertainment and commentary only. The producers strive for verisimilitude, but nothing said on this podcast should be taken as fact by the listener or viewer without performing due diligence. The existence, the physical universe, is basically playful. There is no necessity for it whatsoever. It isn't going anywhere. That is to say, it doesn't have some destination that it ought to arrive at. This is Keep Your Hat On, a show by three nerdy nobodies and one nerdy kind of somebody about nothing in particular. Keep Your Hat On is brought to you by the Narrow Band Broadcast Network, NBBN. The focus is on you. By PodSquadPDX.com, painless podcasting. And by the kind support of KYHO fans everywhere through Patreon. Patreon, create on your own terms. Coming up next, buildings and music. Wait, seriously? That's all you clowns are giving me? I put pants on for this? Losers. Anywho, I'm quite obviously the one and only, 100% authentic forever announcer of this aimless shitstorm, Mr. Bramage. Here to say, let's get this party started, bitches. Here's your hats, Andrew, Robert, Dr. Mark, and the one in the war paint and puffy shirt, Chris. And hello and welcome back all you hats. This of course is Keep Your Hat On. I of course am your host Andrew Scott along with the other hosts. We are all equals here. Uh, Dr. Mark Peterson and Chris Ricano and hi Robert Anthony. Boys. How's everybody doing? Hey Woot. I was no, waiting no, to cue the crickets on No that. room for crickets, no room for crickets this yeah. time. We are a well-oiled machine. I, I gotta I, cop to something here guys. I blew it last week. I blew it last episode. We're a year old. Wow. Holy cow. We have done this now for over a calendar year, and I have no good excuse. And they haven't well, come for us yet. That's right. another. Uh, yeah. Good night, folks. Yeah, yeah, happy, exactly. happy anniversary, guys. Peace out, everybody. Yeah, no. Happy birthday to us. And, of course, they have changed because you can hear it now. Happy birthday is now in the public domain, so I can That's use right. it without having to pay royalties to some family of some completely strange person from back in the the late 19th century that came up with the ditty that we all use by default. But you used the word ditty. I just want to interject something it's here about steady. happy birthday. Steady. It's steady, old boy. Where's this uh, going? It's something I've been carrying around with me for a long time, and I just need to say it out loud. And that is, whenever you're at a birthday party, have you ever noticed that when people sing happy birthday, it's not cheerful, it's not pleasant, it's not delightful. No, it sounds like it a friggin' dirge. Like a funeral dirge. Yeah. Thank you. And, and I'm like, it's like where I don't even do happy birthday anymore. You know, I just want to know where uh, shit. The, the impromptu... Um, smell like a monkey in the zoo kind of thing. Uh, oh, that's right up there with Batman from. smells the Batman. from Mandel yeah. Bells. Yeah. 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 Where, where did this all come from? Yeah, Patty and Miltred Hill. Patty and Miltred Hill, copyright 1935. Yeah. But Batman wasn't around in 1935. That's not, well, not actually, quite. Almost, almost. He almost. was close, right? 
Yeah, he late was 30s. Pre, he was, I was just going to say, he was pre-World War II. Have you seen... Amazing the Detectives. Have you seen the 1940s vintage Batman Oh, short it is films? so good. Oh, dear. It is, it is no, wait, worth wait, wait, the price wait, wait, of admission wait, wait, twice. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> now, are you talking about the black and whites that are like just the episodics that are... Yeah, like like Flash Gordon was and all those... those yeah. Uh, yeah, they were like, what, 10, know what? 10, 12 minutes? What? One of my earliest memories is being exposed to that in the theaters. My mom would take me to the movie. We would go. But in like movie. in like 1943, she did. You were no, 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 no. <laughs> this whoa, was whoa, Thai whoa. version. But this point, was, oh, this oh. was uh, at some point. This local theater was playing those pre-release. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah, that so I can imagine. Sure. Yeah, they they would bring them back every once in a while. This for is, and, and then you'd have to come filler. back to the theater the next week. I mean, they really did stick with it. And so I yeah, was. I there was were breathtakingly racist during the war. For instance, oh gosh, yes, that, they yeah, were. Yeah, yeah, yeah racist, anti-Semitic, and yeah, it was. That's like one of the things that that uh, I'm up against is I'm doing uh, an audiobook uh, version of the picture of Dorian Gray. Oh, oh, which is super anti-Semitic, as was everybody in England back in the late <laughs> the 19th time. century. Yeah, and so I just uh, have had to exercise my my production i had to flex my production uh muscles and make a uh an editorial decision that i am not saying those things i am substituting in different more neutral words but chris i thought for sure that you were actually gonna have uh an exception when it, as far as uh the uh mention of the ditty for uh uh happy birthday i thought you were gonna rail against the word ditty Oh uh, no! Well, well, uh, no. Uh, oh, don't Diddy get me started. A a happy, playful <laughs> kind of dancey song, right? Yeah. Uh, and, uh, no, and, and, Diddy actually is the the word Diddy uh, is uh, f- loosely from the French uh, dite, which means uh, small composition. Did you already look right. that up, you rascal? No, <laughs> it's just that's one of those stupid, useless things, things in my head. And of course, we've got uh, this. This this begs for a mad hat tip to Manfred Mann and the Earth Band for. Oh yeah, do what did he? Did he do? What did he do? You know it. Uh, well, you we'll know, be getting I, to I more music later, but did he kind of sounded especially as I was a teenager? Thought uh, did he kind of sounded like something dirty? Something else. Yeah, well, I thought you were going to go after fast. Sean oh, that's Combs here, but okay. <laughs> no, we'll get to Sean Combs on another show. We've got uh, we've got bigger fish to fry than than <laughs> what's he calling himself now? Is he Puff. Causeway? <laughs> Just Puff. No, no that's Yay. ye. That's the other one. We're getting there. Okay, but uh, uh, Mark, how's the move now? Oh, uh, the move for, is ongoing. For, yes, for the people yes, the who move. are aren't able to see, which is all of you now um <laughs> we uh we've changed one white wall for the other wall but you are hearing dr mark peterson <laughs> live but recorded from milwaukee wisconsin uh, from murray the urban hill. yeah there you go murray hill neighborhood in milwaukee yeah this was Flamigo a flamagle uh, this was actually it was awesome. a, a, a cute little, it was one of the first little neighborhoods north of downtown milwaukee and it was yeah. uh even at the time when they started to settle here, this is the late 1800s, it was diverse as the Dickens. Uh, if you go over toward the lake, you've got, you've got all those rich folks with views of the water. And as you move away from the lake, <laughs> the scale goes down. And I'm, 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 snug, I'm snugly four blocks off the lake where I am now. 
as I ought to be. Four blocks. Four blocks. You can probably smell all that algae. Mm, Not yet. Not yet. It's just thawing still today. I was just going to say, you guys got uh, an extra dose of winter, didn't you, here Uh, on... A couple of days ago. Because we are recording this on the equinox, so... um, Yeah, it's 68 degrees outside right now, by the way. What what was it this morning when you got up, though? 40. Yeah, okay. Well, that's uh, pretty much where we are right now. Yeah. Is it really the equinox already? It is. Yeah, it was this morning, actually. Yeah, it sure was. Um, The move is going uh, fabulous. I have uh, been been making the pilgrimage to Ikea. I should say that the unnamed Scandinavian marble. Well, it's a lot closer to you now than it was in West Bend. I keep having Jonathan Colton's song about Ikea floating in my head. Yeah. Stick that in the credits, but... um, (laughs) Uh, yeah, a hell of a lot closer. And uh, uh, so um, yeah, the one thing I've been kind of coping with, and this is really interesting, we were talking about this before we went online, um, is uh, how you let go of a place you're moving out of, right? And it's been really interesting experience because if I if I were to subdivide myself into, into components, I would say that it's like uh, my uh, my intellect and my emotional self was thrilled about getting out of West Bend. I'll right. Just be honest about it. Even though I loved where I lived in the little corner of West Bend that I lived in. And I was, I was lucky. I had this awesome neighbors. And, and you were the, in kind of a funky part of West Bend for I, I was, all the rest of our listeners. West Bend is a mm, very bucolic kind of Midwestern town, rolling yeah, hills and all yeah. that stuff. And you, lots of conservatism, but there are little pockets of funkiness. And yeah. Yeah, Barton was a pretty good little, you know, they had, yeah, a co- it's a, it's a, they had a they had a coffee shop before the super popularity of coffee oh, shops. Sandy's, by the way, Sandy's. if you ever if you ever there and you want breakfast, man, that's the real deal. Is Sandy's good stuff, yeah, Barton. But um, the, what made Barton uh, funky was it's the sort of place where all the third shift and second shift workers at the West Bend Company in Regal mm-hmm. lived. And by and the so, way, folks, yes, if you are hearing us say the words West Bend, it is the town that holds that your toaster, your 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 waffle and sandwich maker, popcorn and, popper, baby. Exactly. That is <laughs> that right. is West Bend, Wisconsin. <laughs> That's them. And Regal Warriors are the one you think it is too. Mm-hmm. So yeah. but uh, and they they made their money uh, in World War One, especially by by um smelting and uh casting shell casings. Yeah. So there you go. Well, anyway, Which were then have, shipped down to A.O. Smith in Milwaukee. There you go. I have moved into the <clears throat> city. And, um, uh, but so, oh, so intellectually and emotionally, it's like, I'm kind of glad, I'm thrilled about getting out of there. I'm, I'm thrilled to be uh, in the city. But physically, this has been the really weirdest part, is like there's a physical component uh, to the grief that I'm feeling about leaving. And it's like, it's almost like there's a little, you know, there's pieces of me that are ahead of the rest of me in the process of separating myself out of West Bend. Right. And that's been a really interesting experience. It's like, you know, because your brain goes, oh, we're fine. Everything's great. And your heart goes, yeah, I'm okay. And my body is actually still having this kind of like, you know, but where am I going to get smoked pork? But I got to go up to Germantown for that, you know, <laughs> you know, where am I going <laughs> it's to, like, it's not like you can slap Wait. your own smoker out on the patio not because you don't have one of those. No. Did I just hear you pose the question, where am smoked I going to get pork. smoked? But yes. yeah. Okay. Uh, so, and Andy knows this and we've, we've heard them here before. There's, there's one other shout out for one of the great institutions within a thousand Seriously. miles of here. The house of, and I'm not making up this name, by nope. the way. The, the house, house of, of homemade, homemade sausage, sausage. Oh. in Germantown, Wisconsin. These guys make stuff 
that just would make you pass out. And I was yeah. told at some point they moved out of Milwaukee in the fifties mm-hmm. and apparently their smokers had to be grandfathered in by the EPA. Yeah. <laughs> they are they, just serious. Did, did they spell it H A U S by any no, chance? No, no, it's good old house. It's, Boring, yeah. Just house of homemade sausage. You no, they, do they took yeah, over, they, they moved in the building that they, and I, I, I don't know, maybe they've moved since I've been gone, but they took over, a, a place that's near and dear to my heart and the hearts of my family. And that was Barnes's beer depot. That's the building that they, they took over when the Barnes family closed the business down. And huh. we were all very upset until we had the sausage. And <laughs> then like, suddenly everything was all smoothed over. Yeah, all we we <laughs> approved of this. Yeah. People but, say it's like, what could be the big deal about this? And it's like, this is life altering. And, and I'll bring back Dr. Miller here who, uh, um, as you know, is from New Orleans. Oh, you taught him proper. You took and him a killer and cook. Him well, he's a killer cook. And it's like, so he and I've been exchanging red beans, you know, recipes forever. And he, he's, you know, he always wins cause he's from New Orleans. But I started, I used to use smoked ham hocks. And I went to the house of homemade sausage. I said, do you guys do smoked ham hocks? No. I said, what do you, they said, what do you want to, what are you making? I said, red beans. They go, oh, use this. You mean Tasso. <laughs> and, and again, uh, you know, Tasso is one of those things where you don't understand until mm, you've yeah. had it. And it's then you an go, oh shit, that's the magic right there. Yeah. yeah. So what's fascinating to me about this process of, of relocating is that you don't relocate all at once. Pieces of you are ahead of other pieces of you. Well, and the truth of the matter is pieces of you are going to stay behind. That's right. Yeah, it's true. I was going to ask you Zen guys about this too, because I had this other little Zen um, Gordian knot here that kind of poked at me. And Zen occur- Gordian knot. I like that. Comp- the, it, well, you know, yeah. it was a knot or a hook or whatever you guys you will call it. And it was like, it occurred to me that like, that maybe it's like uh, I was too attached to my detachment from West Bend, because I always felt detached from West Bend. But I think I was too attached to the detachment to really detach myself from the things I needed to detach myself from. Yeah. I know. I, 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 just I know that Robert that was respond. a lot of words, <laughs> uh, but I think you're probably right. And there is, we do in Zen, we do often talk about <laughs> getting attached to your own non-attachment that thing it's that thing. yeah yeah and that's, that's no that's a here. real thing ty yeah. what do you think oh i it's 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 entirely possible oh. i mean it's it this is this is what happens right i mean as human beings we get comfortable we get complacent whatever true. the yeah. emotional and mental state is we can we can glum on to that and not want to let that go even if and that so, is consciously a, or not right i mean yeah even if that is thinking that you're not attached you can get attached to the idea of being not attached right because that it all becomes overgrown yeah yeah, i think it would i think it would become very enticing and and possibly even (laughs) a form of addiction in the sense of uh it gives you a good feeling you know you're you you feel like you've accomplished something in your detachment yeah. And, uh, and no, that's yeah. exactly, and, that's exactly it, Chris. You, and you start building around that. Yeah. Well, you cling you to the, you cling yeah, to you the start building up this idea of your non-attachment, not yeah. realizing that yeah. you're attaching. So if I, if I, if I had a lot emotionally invested in being detached from living in West Bend and now you take West Bend away, what have I got? But the yeah. taste of bitterness, 
and loss. <laughs> I have well, lost the thing that I didn't like. <laughs> well, and it's just, I mean, think about um, somebody who is in an unhealthy relationship. Oh, there right? you go. Now, you, now you're rocking it, I think. And, right. and they get used and complacent in that uh, mm. uh, unhealthy relationship. And when that relationship ends, that person often isn't sure what to do. It can yeah, be very under, totally untethered. Yeah. Because that because that has been absorbed into your consciousness as your sense of normal. Well, not only that, but the word that I want to throw in here is the the one that really keys in my mind, and that is you get habituated. Oh yeah, it's true. I think and right. um you know this idea of habituation and something being merely a habit. We don't yeah. give enough weight to just how powerful and how deeply ingrained habits yeah, are. That stuff runs everything, really, doesn't it? I mm-hmm. think you guys are on this, like, like, like. I think you're right on it. And the other thing too, I and and, and this is again, you know, this is my confession is that my nascent uh, upbringing as a Scandinavian Lutheran uh, always makes it deeply threatening to me on a profound level whenever I'm feeling too happy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is going to come out in the wash. Oh, I've I've got that. I, I, no, I get that too. When things are going too well, like I, I, I get that. Happy. Okay, you know the other shoe's about to drop. Uh, yeah, well, for, know, us, something, for us, for kids, we didn't. Coming. Chris, That's, for us kids, we didn't have that because we were just we were so laden with Catholic guilt. Ah, uh, you can't. That, yeah. That's right. yeah, that we just. Oh, no, yeah. This isn't and really a good thing. This yeah. this really isn't a good thing. Well, we always envied you guys because you know, in, if you're when you're Catholic, uh, when, you, when you when you yeah, we always envied the Catholics because when you guys screwed up, you got forgiven. But Lutherans had to be perfect all the time coming out of the box, and you uh, were still going to go to hell. Well, <laughs> see, hey, no, I got my universal, mom was a Lutheran. I, know I got universal this. absolution, man. When that when they kicked that out uh, in what was it? What was the year of? Um, <laughs> Hayakataki, the the comet. Uh, that was one of the last years I was uh, going to Catholic mass, and they had um, uh, they had an absolution day, and all you had to do was walk through the doors of the church, and your slate was wiped clean, uh, See, just like dogma. Dogma, exactly. Yeah. And and yeah, I mean, I walked I, in, it, and I immediately, you know, I immediately said, "Where's where's Silent Bob?" <laughs> now, now to me, with, yeah, with Affleck. I, I just, I mean, stuff like that just seemed so patently silly to me. Uh, and, and, you know, now that I'm older, I understand more clearly what the, you know, what the uh, sacrament of, of the act of contrition and reconciliation uh, was really about. But at the time, you know, uh, when I was, when I was a kid, it's it seemed like okay so i tell this guy that runs my church everything bad i did and he tells me to go say some prayers and maybe go do some do something that that i'm not going to like but is for some greater good and and then all of that is is gone it's wiped clean I, and i could never get my head around that and and you know my my well, older insight into it is just reflecting on your own activities and changing your behavior. 
I'll make this simple for you, Chris. If you give me 50 bucks, I'm happy to sell you an indulgence. <laughs> an indulgence, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, folks, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about other shit on this, our first anniversary slash birthday <laughs> episode. Anyways, this is Keep Your Hat On. I'm Andrew. That's Chris. That's Ty. That's Dr. Mark. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Boom. Hat Nation. Want to support the show and help it grow or, well, keep the lights on? Head on over to kyhopodcast.com slash shop and buy some cool swag. Shirts, phone cases, hoodies, and yeah, hats. I mean, duh. All proceeds go right into Andy's pocket. Uh, I mean, help keep KYHO in your ears. That's kyhopodcast.com slash shop. Go get some cool stuff, rep the show, and as always, keep your hat on. Which is a lot easier when, you know, you have a hat, right? And welcome back on Keep Your Hat On. Nope, scratch. Three, <laughs> two, and welcome back to Keep Your Hat On. I'm Andrew along with Dr. Mark and oh. Ty and Chris. And we're talking about what happens in life when you start growing up and you start moving around. And yeah, you know, a lot of people don't give enough credit to the amount of attachment that happens between a person and a building. Yeah, yeah it's you know? interesting, huh? And really, Mark, uh, from what you were saying earlier, I think you're actually kind of possibly maybe feeling a little bit of separation anxiety. I wonder if it's survivor's guilt, actually. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> because I know, and, and to, to any, any of my colleagues who are out there that's listening, it's like, fucking great. I'm just decided, well, I don't know if you guys ever noticed this. This is before we get back to buildings in a sec, Andrew, but... Have you guys noticed this, that like when you leave an area or you, you get ready to move, people get angry at you? Yep. Oh, yeah. Because Without you're leaving them, right? They don't that know is it. a real thing. Right? Yes. And, it, um, and I'm waiting to see this happen from all of my my dear, my good colleagues that are still living out in West Bend. There's a handful of Peterson, of them. that fucker made it out. That's right. There's a handful of them who, move, who have already moved down into the city, right? There's, a, there's yeah. a bunch of them down here. But it's like people I was there with the longest are still out there and it's like I wonder if you know it's like I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a you know we're gonna have a little party with you know everybody we know we'll have a big open house and, and uh, food well and, and that crew stuff. that crew that was up there um yeah. you know and you I've, know dipped, I've dipped in on the you know the website over the years and kind of always nodded and went wow still there <laughs> you know oh we and the, I, night, the reason the reason we're all still there is that we actually loved our jobs and, we well, love our and jobs that there. was a that was I make it sound like it's been erased. It's still true. It's still um, true. It's a great campus. Yeah, it yeah. It, it it offered it punched way above its weight. Seriously, yeah. Oh we my god, we the unicorn. education that I got there, even after I left and I did you know a, a year ish sort of kind of at Marquette. Yeah, I always looked back on my time in West Bend at university there and went. 
you know what? I was fucking spoiled. Not only that, I was kind of spoiled for choice. The amount of classes and the amount of disciplines that we offered at yeah. West Bend yeah. was kind of mind blowing for the size yeah, of the campus that was there. Nuts. It's still crazy. And it's like, I felt that way ever since I got there. And, and it, it, the, the people there are the really first rate scholars and they're really good in the classroom to top it off. So survivor's guilt yeah. might be involved in this. The other thing I was thinking about, though, and just in terms of the uh, the physicality, right, of the thing, as opposed to, you know, going through the psychological categories, was um, uh, the house that we were in there, uh, we went over every inch of that place and polished every inch of that place. Every 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 wall, every surface got repainted or cleaned or refinished. Uh, we restored this. It was a grandma bungalow house. You know, yeah. built in the 20s. It was it a box like every, on top of a box. Yeah, yeah, it looked like what everybody else has seen. It had a great roof and a one-dormer and, you know, all that. But um, uh, we spent probably 10 or 15 years restoring it to what it had been when it was built. Because everything, you know, it went through the 60s. And when we got in there, it was pad paneling. The really only big thing paneling. you did it was didn't you, you put the dormer in right? Uh, we bumped another a second dormer that, on the side of the house. You put a second but, one on but the other yeah, side. Yeah, you never saw it when we when we got in there. It was like all the walls in the downstairs were paneled with really bad paneling, and um, uh, the floors had this horrible like uh, shitty brown shag carpeting. It wasn't even like the avocado or the autumn rust. It probably started out shag. as avocado, but it had twenty five yeah, years done. worth of. Detritus on it, and so we had to like polish everything. And and the funniest thing too was like, and my real estate lady remembered this from then when we got in there. One the grandma Dorothy Dorothy Lickman, whose house it was originally, had allowed one of her granddaughters at some point to stencil the crap out of everything. And there were like little roses and flowers and little box shaped houses, and they were little like lines around the rim of every room. And when we first we thought, well, we'll just paint over that. Couldn't do no, it because no, you won't. it was it was so thick that you could still see it. Sure. And so my former wife, the amazing Peg Mudrock, literally sanded that shit off the the, <laughs> the walls. And so yeah, so but I think so. Uh, when you've been over every inch of something like that, you know, you've actually retooled like the living space. Um, you, I think you form more than just a psychological attachment to it. There's this kind of weird physicality, like a limbic level. A visceral, visceral kind of yeah, thing. Let's, where, let's, yeah, yeah. Just, I think maybe let's just track it back to the lizard brain. You know, it's like true. higher order animals also nest, but I don't think we're talking about them. We're talking about gators here. Ty, we're talking about your brain now. It's the, them gator brains is what, what's going on there. And I think that's, I think it's like leaving my swamp behind for a new swamp. Well, let me ask, Ty, what? What's if you had a building that you were most attached to, and I guess here, I'm going to, I'm going to throw the doors open on this a little bit because Ty, you and I also have another interesting building type attachment that we can talk about. But Ty, if you had to pick a building that you were, that you really had trouble leaving, that you felt a separation from, what, do you, what would it be for you? You get, didn't you guys rehab an entire monastery? That's where I'm going. Don't blow it, oh, Mark. I mean, uh, Ty. <laughs> I mean, in, in in terms of in terms of buildings, I mean, I have some fond memories of my childhood and some buildings, but you know what? I moved around a lot, mm-hmm. and so I and really... and I didn't. So that's something that you and I have as a difference in our childhood. Is I was rooted. I grew up my entirety up until I left here. 
uh, four here, uh, two houses. I lived in two houses. Wow. Yeah. So I, I moved around a lot. I, so I never really built that kind of attachment to a, a structure, uh, to an apartment, to a house. Right. right. Um, you know, and I but, do think that we need to allow for the fact that for some people, this might not be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't have, I don't, um, I think if I was to leave this house that I'm currently living in, I may suffer from, from some of that. Or at um, least experience yeah, it. Yeah. Not having a, a great deal of attachment and largely because <clears throat> I think some of this attachment comes from an ownership or investment uh, emotionally or mentally. Uh, that's mm. just where I was going because I, I, I think, you know, what, what you said, like, I don't have an attachment to like old apartment or something like that. I honestly think that a lot of this attachment has to do with where you as a person did most of your emotional work and your, your, your self-realization where you really landed on kind of who you were at that time. There's an imprint that happens from that. Uh, and Chris, have you got one? that um yeah i've i've uh, i've formed strong attachments with places and and that actually i think that informed my uh my early efforts in school to pursue architecture um but uh the place that really sticks out in my mind as um being a really strong attachment was the apartment i lived in before my former and your current partner, Heather, before I moved in with her, um, I had this wonderful old apartment in a funky building. And what what strikes me about that attachment is that from very quickly after I moved into that place, first of all, I was certain I was going to stay there in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. well, like y'all I mean, do, but yeah. Um, well, well, in in a much heavier way than I than I normally would, but it it became so such an integral part of what I felt my identity was during that time period in my life. I mean, it was that apartment was an not even just an expression of me. It was it was an, an extension, extension, yeah, of me. And to welcome people into my apartment that you know, that was, that was kind of an intimate experience. Um, well, and I think that that's an interesting point that you bring up that the first time you invite somebody into your space, you know, after you've emancipated yourself and, you know, moved out and gotten your own space, it's a big deal. And those kinds of experiences are the ones that that jump out to me and to go back to you, Ty, uh, you know, I was thinking like Dr. Mark brought up, you know, uh, Ty and I practiced in a small, not that small, uh, but in a, in a, we, we took up our Zen practice, uh, at about the same time in a, it was a former, well, I remember when we pulled up one of the tiles in the upper entrances and we found uh Mason's marks underneath the, underneath the uh linoleum tiling and we all oh, kind of went oh that's go. a little freaky um no it's a, just a lovely old kind of ecumenical 
I don't even recall what it, it was. It has gone through several iterations. Yeah, yeah. Over, it was your go-to over a hundred kind of, years. The building was over a hundred. Yeah, years it was. It was the go-to place on Hawthorne uh, Boulevard in Portland, where we need something that, that kind place. of is like a church. <laughs> you know, um, but we practiced there. We practiced there for many years, and you've had the opportunity to go back a few times. It's amazing that that lineage of that building. It is. Yeah. Uh, um, the, the, because it was, the, it was a Zen, it was a Zen, um, it was for better or worse. I mean, you, you it was a Zen dwelling, a Zen temple, mm-hmm. uh, although it wasn't very templish in, in the traditional sense. No, it was a lowercase T temple. Yeah. Um, but it was shared by two schools of Zen or, uh, uh, two, two sects of Zen. And then Tibetans and used then it. When they left, the friends of the Dhamma came yeah. in, which is which is a pan Buddhist tradition, wouldn't you say? Yeah, but the, yeah. the, the amazing thing is, is they rented it to uh, another school of Zen, mm-hmm. uh, a, a burgeoning school of Zen that are still there right now. Yep. And the crazy thing is, is that school of Zen has direct lineage to uh, uh the school of zen uh from heart of wisdom yes and and exactly uh, right a great vow yes so it's just amazing and that that's what that's been like yeah it's been handed years? back and yeah, <laughs> easily years? easily but yeah. remember how I, I remember how anxious i was when we decided to look for our own building to own our own property to own uh, Ty and I are, are part of a lineage uh, and part of a Zen tradition. We run an actual Zen monastery, uh, a Great Vow Zen monastery in Claxconine, Oregon, which is uh, built by our teachers out of an old middle school. Yeah, that's just, isn't that amazing? It was you, so You go it, to a Zen monastery that is a school. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. And uh, it, it's it's a wonderful place. It's dealing with some serious challenges right now due to industrialization, right literally down the road from it. But I remember how anxious we all were, and I remember that last practice that we had there, where seriously it looked like a funeral let out. It it we all looked so incredibly sad when we kind of, and I remember Hogan locking the door the last time. And I'd seen him as, you know, I was doing service at that time. So I was there before service and after service and I would always walk out with him. And I remember watching him lock the door, uh, you know, hundreds of times. And that last one, watching him lock the door in such a way that even his hand motion said, this is the last time click. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And yeah, there was a weird separation anxiety. So that, I didn't have any of that other than, damn it. The, the, that's because the you're just that, an unfeeling, heartless bastard. The other place where we're finally going to go isn't going to be ready for months. We're going right? to be sitting in this and church basement. We had no idea what we were getting uh, ourselves uh, into no, with I that did, building. I, you know, I did Zazenikai in a, in a church basement of a Unitarian church. Yeah, and that's just Because it. we just we, didn't have a space yet. We were yeah. in limbo. No, we did so many of our programs at, at that church, and they were very welcoming to us, and it was really neat. But 
I remember the the other experience that I had, and Mark, you're not going to be able to get much of this experience because your building is very new. Um, uh, really, actually, yeah, we're it's only about twenty years old. Yeah. yeah, you know, we 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 picked up stakes, and we went from a hundred some year old building to a hundred and twenty something year old building <laughs> that yeah. used to be a Russian Orthodox church. Oh dear, yeah, and um. You know, one of the things that we were tasked with was, you know, when we first got in there, it, and it, it had been various churches, you know, throughout its life, and we had bought it from a uh, kind of a, I believe it was Pentecostal. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there oh, was. There I was will some... never forget the color of that carpet. Right. Oh man. We we started jokingly referring to it as the murder wrap because it looked like it looked like a few legal issues might have occurred like some, on this carpet at some point yeah, in time. It looked, it looked like there was like some some pretty weird things that they had think going of the Duke on. Of Wars. Do you guys are you guys close enough to British Columbia to know about the Duke of Wars? Well, I am because I love British Columbia and have been there a number of times. <laughs> so yeah, I, it's I, the I Russian know the, Orthodox sect that that whenever they want to protest, they all get naked. Sweet. They're awesome people. <laughs> but what really made me feel like we'd made the right choice when we moved in there was one of our one of our leaders found they were going through the, you know, because we moved in there. The the church before us had been closed down for a couple of years. They bailed out hot and fast. So, like, we went into one of the offices and, like, there's the preacher's desk is there and there's still, like, unpaid bills on it and stuff like that. Yeah. But one of our leaders was going through the desk and found all these cards people writing to thank the church mm. for the funeral mm. or the birthday party or the christening wow. or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, I remember Kodo, our friend coming out with like this, and it was a good two inch thick pile of things and old clippings from that. And she was just like, look at all this stuff. What do you think we should do with it? And I, I remember it was me and who else was it there? Somebody else. And the name doesn't matter. But this compatriot and I just kind of looked at each other and uh, turned to Kodo and went, honor it. This is something that's staying alive. People used to come here as a community and we need to keep the community alive. And I remember the, like two days later, I came back and I walk in and Kodo's down on the floor very carefully placing all these cards on a big, you know, sheet of poster board to, to keep it, you know, and to make a little presentation for it. And it just, at that point, and we had so many other experiences. One of the things that I remember very distinctly, Ty and I jumped in a, because neither one of us had anything better to do with our time at that point in our lives. Cause we were both kind of, an, I, Ty, I think you'd, agree that you were in a rebuilding place in your life just like i was at that point right oh in in probably some of the most major ways yeah right yeah yeah you and i shared that experience and we went through that slog together like that and mm. one of the things that was really interesting was this church had a 
steeple and an actual church bell in it. And the and we all yeah, Ty's starting to crack a little bit of a smile because the bell was something we just annoyed the living hell out of that neighborhood for a long time when we found, <laughs> hey, here's how you ring the bell. <laughs> Between Kodo and 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 Roshi, Hogan Roshi. Right. Uh, just I got so many finger wags and just don't come play on, with dude. the bell. But when we were getting ready to open. Uh, and there's always, when you open a new Zen temple, there's always a ceremony and stuff like that. But we were really rushing. We were, we were way behind schedule. There was stuff that, you know, you'd pull open a door and the door would come off in your hand. We were at that stage of development with this, but we were going to do an opening ceremony. And I was living at that time in a converted garage, mother-in-law, 580 square foot flat. Uh, (laughs) on top it was a great place um i happened my landlord the guy who owned the house happened to be a carpenter and a builder and he would always bring stuff back in his truck and i remember going out there one day to have a cigarette and i saw he had a bunch of just huge slabs um milled slabs of tamarack and i was just like Cause I was trying to think of something significant to do. I was in, I was a timekeeper, uh, for our temple at that time. That's exactly. And, uh, you do a very good Makugio, Mark. <laughs> um, but, uh, I wanted to do something special to kind of commemorate the opening of the temple. And I'd sure. really been scratching my head for something to do. And I saw these big slabs of Tamarack in the back of his truck. And I was just like, are you using those for anything? And he's like, no, oh, I brought them home for, yeah, brought them home for firewood. You make bells out of those? Is that the, is it no, you like make a... something called a Han, okay, which, so which is really nothing though, more. Well, a Han is no, nothing more than a giant slab of wood that you hit with a mallet yeah, that thing. to, to, to make a noise, to radio, to the Sangha on the property that this is what's happening. That's one of the uh, great things about Zen is when you go for retreat, yeah, throw your watch away. Because everything is run by sound and Uh, allows you to kind of glide on autopilot. It's really quite nice. But I wanted to make a Han. And I had done a little bit of wood chisel work and carving in my life. So I was like, oh, I know what I'll do. I'll make a Han with an Enso chiseled into it that I do black relief. And so I did all this and I presented it to my teacher. Uh, literally I presented it to him because this is Ty. You remember that this was when, uh, Roshi and Hogan went to Japan. They were gone mm-hmm. right up until the day we were going to do the opening ceremony. So we had no way to talk to yeah, them. That's right. they, they had gone to sit with, uh, Rahata Roshi. Yeah. Right? With, yeah. With, with, uh, Shoto Harada Roshi. Um, but they were all blown out, tired and everything. And I remember when they, when they did pull up, Hogan was asleep in the car and, and uh, one of our, one of our teachers just let him sleep in the, in the car outside. When he finally came in, I showed him the Han that I'd made completely surprised him. He was thrilled. And then he looks at me and he goes, you've got an hour and 20 minutes to get this hung up because I want you to use it to call people to service and i was just like oh shit (laughs) quick i'm running around i get tie i'm getting people i'm like we need to figure out a way to hang this we got the thing up there um and i was able to call people 
with the traditional. What it is, is you start out 15 minutes before you are to sit and you start out hitting it once. And then five minutes later, you hit it again. And then four minutes later, and then three minutes later, and then two minutes later, there are different ways to do it. But every single increment gets closer and closer together. So it's knock, 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 knock. And that's how you tell people when to be where. But the 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 thing that ties me to the building is the old church bell. We, we, we had to decommission the bell for a while because there was a lot of work that needed to be the, the steeple on this thing that was, was a sad day. Oh yeah. Oh, I remember when, yeah. <laughs> you, I couldn't ring was, the bell anymore. What, 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 but were you the one that went up in the steeple and suddenly came down looking white? It's a ghost saying that is the most dangerous place on this property. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just yeah, yeah. Leave it to the monkey to get up there and, and yeah, go, yeah. no, nah, I ain't going up there again. But. Yeah, no, because it was it it sat in this weird place on the roof, and it's like, dude, you can't have people up here unless you're tied in. Yeah, and even then, some of the wood is questionable. Uh, All the wood is questionable (laughs) Uh, because the place needed a new roof desperately. We finally got one put on, but were you the one that brought the rope for the bell down? Yep. Yeah, because I remember it it was was it heavy as stink too. The bell. It was good old it was it was real <laughs> hempen rope that rope and was solid it, we, yeah, had to, we had to tie it to could, another rope because it, you could, it, yeah it, you couldn't bend it but i went because i wanted to figure out a way i was bringing in this new piece of wood and i wanted to figure out a way to keep the vitality of that bell alive and i went i know what we're gonna do and I grabbed the rope from you, and I, re- I remember you saying, "Hey, I was going to use that for some." I was like, "No, I got it. Don't worry, thanks." Yeah. Um, Hans are held Which up is with kind of two... the story of our relationship. So it is, but I love you. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I said As you're grabbing world. things from me and go running off, going, "Yay, I got yeah, it!" Yeah, but got you, it. you've done that to me. I've had you come over and help me. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but um, I. Hans are hung on two ropes. You drill through the big piece of wood and then you, you run the rope through it and then you tie it with a kind of a, a, mm-hmm. a hitch. So you have the ability, you don't want to just whack the thing hanging free. Um, and I was just like, uh, that's what I'm going to do. And so what I did was I fashioned a way to hang the Han with the original rope that was attached to the bell. And I remember Hogan coming and he looked at it and he kind of got this little teary look in his eye, but he went, why did you use that old rope? Isn't that dangerous? And I was like, respectfully, number one teacher, (laughs) that rope is probably the strongest thing in this building. And number two, it's over a hundred years old and it's still calling people to spiritual practice. Mm. And Mm. I remember him looking at me just like it was, I'm, I might cry. I think I'm just going to give you a sly smile and turn away. <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what he did. Well, but and that, and that recognizes something really important and deep about architecture uh, and, and, and sort of the, the overarching topic that we're, that we're talking about that, that uh, architecture does 
have a life of its own. It develops a history. It goes through periods. It has its own character. It has its own personality. Um, it has its own aspects. And and in in your example of using that rope, you're creating continuity in the life story of that building. Well, that was my goal. And, yeah, and honoring and and respecting that that space is in a sense a living thing itself that that we interact with um yeah no i i, I agree 100 percent. and i think the world would be a better place if people allowed themselves to experience that kind of connection with a, a with a place uh, you know, it's, it, 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 we live in such a disposable society now that, that buildings are even considered disposable. Well, I think it's, I think it's more a situation of, of we're discouraged from even paying attention to the space we're in. Oh, I would agree. A lot of times, uh, spaces are designed to make you feel like you're not in the space that you, that you, that you don't have a connection. Yeah, or that you shouldn't make one. What would be an example of that? You know, I'm going to come at this from a slightly different angle. I'm going to come at this from an accessibility angle and a usability angle. Um, you know, I, I'm a disabled sure. guy. And for a long time, I, you know, well, not for a long time, for a number of years, I was in a wheelchair. And experiencing a space in a wheelchair is an inherently different thing from experiencing it as a able-bodied ambulatory person. Yeah. And I always felt in a wheelchair, I always felt put off and pushed away and was not allowed by accessibility needs to have that connection, to have that experience um, of a place. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as an able-bodied place where you're not supposed to feel a connection or an experience, I just immediately go to a mall. <laughs> oh, let's go even bigger. Uh, Costco. <clears throat> oh, right, Ikea. Sure. Ikea. You yeah. are not uh, you are not supposed to be aware of the space you're in. These are all a about hospital. a hospital. Sure. Oh, well, you know, maze architecture. And I don't mean that in a let's make a, a maze for a minotaur. But that maze aspect is is right. And that is something that is definitely in commercial architecture, commercial architecture. Get the consumer lost. Mm -hmm. That's an on purpose thing. Yeah. Yes. I wondered about it, this. Go ahead, it Chris. Keeps I'm you, sorry. It keeps you. It keeps you looking at the products and keeps you keeps you immersed in that environment and keeps your focus there. The one other I would add, and and then I'll hand it over to over to you, Mark. Uh, office spaces, cubicles. Yep. Uh, anonymous. Uh, They're anonymous, aren't they? And 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 isolationary. I mean, you go, you park in your little silo, you do your work day. Yeah, it's totally uh, siloed and compartmentalized. I mean, maybe you can tack up a couple pictures on your on your carpet-covered yeah. foam cube wall. But even that, I mean, I've, I've heard so many stories of managers getting cranky at people for, for personalizing their space. Oh, yeah, sure. So, no, and I believe that it really I'm, is, uh, it it is there, a, yeah. a depersonalization of where you spend you know for a lot of people a third to a half of their time in a day when you're when you're at your workday and at your desk your your boss your manager in the in the corporate line of thinking 
doesn't want you to have any reminders that you are a free thinking, free feeling <laughs> individual. Yeah. You're just a piece of the machinery. You are a cop to keep you running, right? Exactly yep. right. I was just thinking, Chris, before about it. You said, when you said IKEA and the maze business, it's like the original IKEAs. Uh, and I, just full disclosure, I was in the original one. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Stockholm, right? Yeah. You know, but um, they it's were a different sort of kind of round... Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, ha, it, not bad. They um, uh, uh, they were these big round buildings with a big central uh, atrium. And the same thing was true for the first ones they built in the U.S. So one of the first ones was out in Schaumburg, Illinois, outside Chicago. And it looks like the original one outside of Stockholm. But ever since then, every one they've built since then are these mazes where you get lost within a, a minute or two that you get in the place. Yeah, and the original, the circular design is great because if you get lost, you just walk you to the center. You always know where you are. Yeah. You always and walk to the that, center. Yeah, and although, somebody although probably that, uh, figured out that that was not marketable or was you know was, right. it was decreasing sales or something. Not conducive well, to impulse buys. That right. also <laughs> gives me a little bit of a Panopticon sort of feel. Oh, it does. Uh, yeah. yeah, you know, and and I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure how well that would that would support a retail. Whenever I yeah, whenever I get into those big circular kind of spaces, I always just flash back to Logan's Run. This is my right. last time on the wheel. Carousel. Yeah, it's a carousel. carousel. I tell you what, people, we're gonna take break another quick break, masks. and then when we come back, we're gonna talk about music a little bit, just for fun. This is keep your hat on. This is Andrew. That's Doctor Mark. That's Ty. That's Chris. Don't go anywhere. Unless you gotta go somewhere and then take us with you. But also wear a hat. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Michael, your stalwart announcer here. The voice of the Keep Your Hat On podcast. We really hope you're enjoying the shows we put out every month and the bonus goofiness we try and throw in. If you do, we'd really appreciate your support. While we'd love it if you could help us out with a monthly donation by heading over to patreon.com nbbn, please don't forget that you can also support us by telling your friends, relatives, the hot Amazon delivery guy, hell, your potted fern, about the show, and do the like, click, and subscribe thing. That's free, and it helps us out more than you might suspect. We just want to keep putting something good out into this bananas world at this extra bananas time. And we want you along for the ride. No matter what, thanks so much for audio visualizing. Now, let's get back to the show. And we're back for the last segment, I think, of Keep Your Hat On. I'm Andrew Scott, along with my good friends, Dr. Mark Peterson. Where is that hat? Ty Robert Anthony. It's not a visual show anymore, Ty. He just did a funny thing. (laughs) And Chris Vacano. And, um, you know, something occurred to me the other day, and I can't quite remember where this precipitated from. I think it was an online discussion. But I made a mention of a genre of music that I really enjoyed. And somebody somewhere on the planet uh, reeled back in their chair and went, wait, you like fill in the blank? I wouldn't picture you 
as a fill-in-the-blank aficionado. Uh. Now, I get on my soapbox really rapidly and readily, which is funny if you know me in person because I don't do anything rapidly or readily. I think they all know this already, Andy. Possibly. But, um, Nor do you jump on boxes. No, no, my jumping days of long. Box jumper. Right. But I don't like it when people, I don't want to say criticize music because I believe that music criticism is an important thing in and of itself, but I'm a big proponent of like what you like. If it moves you, if it inspires you, if it engenders an emotional response in you that you like, go for it, you know? Um, all the people in the world picking on this or that artist, um, I don't have a whole lot of time for it. It just, that music just doesn't speak to you. That's fine. Move on. And I think that's, I think that's the point. That's the really good point to make. And one of my heroes has long done the same thing. And so, uh, uh, I kind of picked up from, I know who you're going for and big ups for that. But, um, uh, you know what? I got, I got better things to do. Like listen to the music I like rather right? than criticize somebody. And the thing is, is we all like to criticize this person that made this album <laughs> and is famous and is making a living at it. And we're not right. It's the old armchair. And we have musician. no idea what that looks like. Yeah. It's although, totally armchair. But no, the I'll person that you were going for Ty is somebody that I touch back to as well. And that's Lemmy Kilmeister from, from, you know, motorhead. Uh, he let liked, me know. Well, let me like to have like, <laughs> and I know no, this he will fact. go, he would go to war. He would, he, he would mo- go head to head with you. Yeah. Uh, uh, with his opinion. The person that I'm talking about was Jimmy page, Jimmy page. Oh, right. Oh, okay. He doesn't talk. He will not criticize any other musician. No. And if the interviewer tries to go that direction, he just shuts it down. And that it, that gets very apparent. If you, if any of you out there listening or anybody here who hasn't, but I think we all have, maybe Mark, you haven't, mm-hmm. um, there's a great documentary it came out about 10 or 12 years ago, Ty, it might get loud. Oh yeah. And it is Jimmy Page, the edge from U2 and Jack White oh. all having wow. just this, this, this musical experience together of each other three of the most noted guitar players of three different generations and um you you start to get that when when they're when jimmy's on camera because jack and the edge were much freer with their opinions of things like modern music and that and jimmy would just go quiet Mm -hmm. Uh, you know he would just he would make a statement and it would always be a statement about music capital m not x or y or z person's music um and there there are so many great moments in that documentary that documentary is so cool in that from from edge playing uh his some of his most famous riffs that we all know but with no effects (laughs) and it's just the most boring vanilla (laughs) sounding thing and as soon as he steps on his pedals it's just oh my god it's the edge you know yeah particularly particularly with page and and uh uh edge um really get this down to earth yeah this is like 
you just get this no ego trip kind of thing. Yeah, going to work. I mean, to the this point where job. Jimmy Page is telling the cameraman, come over here and watch what I do so yeah. that everybody else can see it. Yeah, I want exactly. everybody no, else I to want know this what it totally was that I was doing. totally demystified. This idea that I'm some wizard, no, this is what I'm doing. You want to do it at home, do it this way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. My favorite, My favorite part of that, still to this day, is watching Jack White and The Edge in the same space and Jimmy starts playing whole lot of love. Yeah. <laughs> he just he just launches into it. And both of them are sitting there and the camera catches them at different times, looking at each other like, holy, holy shit, we yeah. are sitting here and Jimmy Page is playing whole lot of love <laughs> five feet away from me. Yeah. 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 This is not an experience that will be recreated. Just, to have, a lot of like just a, to have tea with him would be like. Oh, forget it. I was going to ask you what, what precipitated the question about critic about critics, though. This That's a very good question. I don't recall what it was. I think it was just, a, it was a general discussion between a few people. I'm in a Gen X group on Reddit. Um, and we tend to be pretty chill people like my generation is and okay so i think that's what really kind of brought it up to me was <laughs> wow, somebody, you know, pretty chill pretty chill <laughs> somebody coming at me so hard and hot about liking a uh, uh, a specific oh, genre yeah. of music yeah. and yeah. it just made me go you know every single person has that every single well, person and i don't even i don't want to use the term guilty pleasure either because yeah. i don't like that all that That's much funny. That, see, that, that, see, that, that was popped the, into my head a lot this week yeah that was the crux of the conversation that i had with mr kilmeyer that was the crux of the conversation we we once had what with lemmy um, oh I, yeah. yeah i remember you telling this the story what, Chris, on or the, i'm sorry rob that what well it was uh, i was wearing was a, a concert brains, wasn't it i was uh, what's that bad brains wasn't it no no it was dread zeppelin dread zeppelin is, that was it. if no huh. one's heard of dread zeppelin you take <laughs> elvis presley and led zeppelin and if they had a child somewhere in jamaica okay. huh. yeah. this is what you well, would get yeah it's good uh, stuff. and so the musicianship he would not argue about the musicianship he thought that they were all and some of them were actually studio musician or yeah. studio musician quality folks huh. yeah his bone of contention was that it was kitchen, derivative as yeah, he it was, put it yeah, oh, kitchen. yeah you can make that you can make a call <laughs> he said like that's that. just that's just kitchen daft but that's just i think every and then when i person... used the word guilty pleasure he was like yeah okay i can get it i can get on board with it now well that was an acquiescence from him that i think was was kind but everybody's got this music everybody's got a genre of music that people would look at and go Wait, you what? Well, and, and I'm interested in knowing what y'all's are. Yeah. So, but uh, before we jump into the specifics, uh, the, uh, you know, you floated this idea to me what about a week ago, um, and and it's been rattling around in my brain box all week and thinking about the origins of it. It's got lots of room. Th- you got to be careful with that brain <laughs> box. You, you got to be uh, careful with it. A, a lot of it uh, is it labeled poison, at least by the way. For me and and. What's that? <laughs> Does it have no, like a biohazard like. or labeled poison? No. no. Go on, Chris. <laughs> carry on. I'm not sure if if you had similar experiences, but when I was in high school, 
the the musical i mean there was an immense amount of pressure to essentially align yourself oh yeah with a particular musical genre absolutely and that became your social life and your social identity uh because mod or you were a stoner who your friends were were. yeah and 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 once you were in that circle of friends, you know, I, I ran with the headbangers first, and then they all got kicked out of my Jesuit high school, and <laughs> I was the last man standing. And it was, was kind of like, purge. okay, find some new friends. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, there was always this pressure to kind of fit into a box, and and a lot of it surrounded music. It was how you dressed. It was sure, and and and. Because that's you know, where people st- coming of age first establish their personas and their personalities, and and, and, and yeah. is, is the music that you like. And and it wasn't until I got Ozzy. into into college that <laughs> that uh, first of all I started really becoming unapologetic uh, about the music that I liked that was not in that box. But then I also had a call uh, a roommate in college. Hey, Will, med props to you who really tore open the box for me and and expanded my musical horizons. And so I think this is a throwback that we're conditioned. And it's interesting that you bring up those two. That's really what happens. When you're in elementary school, it doesn't matter. You're singing nursery rhymes, or at least we were in our day. Uh, you get into <sighs> middle school, you maybe start having some... I blame Reagan for all of there this. There you go. Yeah, well, we'll blame Reagan for everything. That's still okay as far as i know um you get into middle school you start getting a little bit of you start getting a little bit of choice in your music you know when you get into high school high school is where music matters and you need to pick sides but then when you get to college that's when the doors get blown off and that's where everything goes and have you guys seen have you guys seen the uh, the saturday night live uh, skit about swifterine uh, as a, it's a, it's a, 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 a drug for dizziness caused by discovering that you like Taylor Swift. Did you see that? <laughs> it's no, on YouTube. It's, it's on YouTube available. It's, it's hilarious. It's like they, they did a whole like two minute commercial about people suddenly like, you know, Hey, this is really great. Who is this? Taylor Swift. Ah! <laughs> and discovering that you like Taylor Swift. We'll find it and put so it. Out. So here's so let's jump into, the yeah, jump into this. Chris, you go first. What is a what is a genre or style or artist of music that you really like that people you think will most likely go, wait, what? Yeah. Yeah. I um, got mine. Go. I mean, I think for the people who know me closely, I, I it would be hard for me to pinpoint, but there is a genre that I really, really like and appreciate that I think might be surprising to a few people. And Tell us what it is, Chris. And that's Tell that's us. the new that's the new romantics uh from the eighties. Uh almost kind <laughs> of like a I like, I like this who's, that? who's the new who's no, the, who's no, the, okay, that's so the Adam new romantics would, and oh, Adam, wow. it would be Adam Ants, Ultra Ballet. Oh, uh, Duran Duran, Ultravox. Yeah, the best uh, I would put in part two with New Romantics. And really kicked off by the do? overlords of New Romanticism, Roxy Music. The Roxy Music. Right. Oh, there sure. you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, huh. Interesting. I, I 150% support your love of the New Romantics. I have uh, 
I have some great memories of my own attached to that genre of music. Ty, you're next. Oh, uh, before you oh, move wait, on, sorry. I Go do, ahead, Chris. I do, I do still desperately want to know why does Johnny hate jazz so much? Because it's catchy. The the, the name Johnny hate jazz. Not, I mean, yes. jazz. I love. I grew up with jazz. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, that's okay. That's, that's it, a new we, romantic band. Yeah, you are you are one generation removed from that. I'll try to get to tragically hip soon, Mark. Hold on. Yeah, okay. Oh, so that's okay. another band. That's but, another uh, band. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mess hip, with you. I'm gonna surprise you. By the Go way, ahead, the Robert. tragically hip rock. I love oh, the yeah. tragically hip. Okay, um, well, there, we have already found something that all four of us agree on musically with <laughs> no complaint, no argument. The Tragically <clears throat> Hip are the best thing that has come out of Canada since Tim Hortons. There. Wow. There. Ooh, that's a bold that's a statement, statement that is, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Ty, hit us with yours. So, um, you know, everybody, I, I, I like punk. I like jazz. I like uh, the rock and roll, whether it is from the 1950s uh, all the way up to present. Yeah. Um, Rock and uh, roll music. God, it plays with your head. Um, The Beatles. uh, I like like, um, a lot of traditional uh, Hawaiian music. Slack key like that, or you mean slightly like- and ukulele both? Yep. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to live in an area where there's a small independent theater, oh, yeah. and the old timers from the main or from from the the main from- island will come up. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, we get really good representation of traditional Hawaiian music here in oh, Portland. That, oddly yeah, enough, I knew, I which is awesome. The one thing though that I I don't think a lot of people are aware of, and it might, it probably doesn't, because I'm so vast with all the things that I like, um, is taiko. I love taiko drumming. I'm with oh. you. Yeah, that's, I'm that, with no, you. that's cool, and I'm, I'm glad you bring it up. I'm, slight, I'm slightly, form. I'm going to be slightly tangentially touching on that level of musical weirdness. But I, I feel you. And if you ever do get a chance, I mean, being by one big taiko drum is one thing. If you ever get a chance to be in a space where an entire taiko, and not outdoors because it's different, it loses its impact. But boy, if you are ever in a place where they're doing taiko drumming indoors, your spleen better be ready oh, to I be rocked. I can't tell you how many performances I've been to how many blind folks I've seen or hard of hearing folks that I've seen, uh, especially the hard of hearing because they can feel it. It's something that they can feel. And man, there is nothing like getting that full blunt force. No, that's, Uh, that's why as a, as an old DJ, I always used to, I, and it's interesting that you mentioned that because I had a number of deaf people that used to come to the club that I was a DJ at for many years. And they, uh, I had occasion to ask them once I was just like, you know, you're so profoundly hard of hearing. Why is this a motivation for you? And they're like, it's the only place where I can feel the music. And I was like, and suddenly I just went, yeah. Oh, f- yeah. of course. Yeah. So I got to doc- see the Kodo Dr. drummers. I got to see the Kodo drummers in Toronto <sighs> years ago. And they I, just oh, like the Kodo just oh. came out with a, a new album that is just really, yeah. really, really good. Um, um, I like everything, uh, and to this day, uh, except disco. 
And it, it had that has a this has everything to do with like identification in college, right? Uh, you're so imprinting. You, yeah. I was imprinted, and and Come on, um, even when, looking back, you're still hard on disco. Oh yeah, I mean, well, there was really there was funny. some shining moments there. I will tell you because I, I married a woman who was a complete ABBA freak, which was just karmic retribution. But I did <laughs> I did get dragged. I'm gonna, I'm gonna own up to this. I got dragged to see um, Mama, Mama Mia, Mia. Yeah. the yeah. stage version. Thank you, twice. And I got to tell you, um, hearing those songs performed on stage outside of the context of ABBA, um, the musicality was actually a, a completely bearable to me. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to come around to what I really like the most, which is like, well, that would be surprising, maybe. You don't, you don't dislike disco the music. You like disco the presentation the the thing oh the social phenomena the social and you have to you guys don't remember this really but oh, but wow. in the ancient days there was this beautiful thing called the rock and roll music and you were allowed to enjoy the rock and roll music wearing denim and t-shirts oh yeah, yeah and yeah. then the the evil disco struck and it required polyester polyester and, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. the polyester that they had colors. in the late 70s was was like wearing a plastic garbage bag. Here's the interesting thing. Horrible thing imaginable. Disco in the late 70s was not disco. That was not the movement that was started. That was the movement that was co-opted over by the production companies. No, no, taken over by the suburbs. You didn't get that bullshit polyester (laughs) flared pants look until after Saturday Night Fever. If you went to a disco before then, it was naked, sweaty bodies. Then you're talking Grace Jones, baby. Well, you know then I mean? you're talking right. stuff like, I mean, uh, again, and we, we yeah. talked about it on this show once yeah. before you yeah. listen to anything that chick made. It's yeah. fucking phenomenal music. Well, so it's the sanitized, it's the sanitized. soul and R&B, yeah, you know, no, but you're right. It was the sanitized polyesterized mall version of the stuff. And now this yeah. is, yeah. this will get me around to, yeah. to the other thing I hated, um, which was uh, rap music. Interesting. And I'm just going to go, I'm well, wait, but wait, this is the weird part about this is as a rule, uh, I found it really boring actually. Okay. And the sort of the sort of the violent, uh, stuff in it and the gangsta, all of that stuff just struck me as like really dull, frankly, right. like and inauthentic. And then, <laughs> and then I heard little Kim. And really? She, and okay. We have hit our very first genuine really and she changed my life and the reason for this is because first of all she's absolutely filthy right but i gotta say i gotta i gotta tell you what um when i heard her do that and it's weird because there was an authentic so there was an authenticity to little kim that i had been missing other places right and even when i I tried i was listening to suge you know and tupac and like all this and it's like okay 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 um and i haven't really felt like that about rap music until i finally saw kendrick lamar you were and really actually giving the genre a go. You were I was saying, getting, oh, I, yeah, I had to. It's like, well, because I was just thinking, it's like, well, I'm just this white boy. Of course, I'm not going to like rap. And um, so I, I was trying to give it a go. And I was like, eh, you know, OK, fine. Um, I'm living in a, you know, I'm living in a in an Amish paradise. Right. <laughs> and <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and uh, which is still one of my favorite Weird Al songs. But, uh, brilliant. but, um, uh, but Little Kim shook that. And it was because of the absolute blunt authenticity in what she did. And I got that same thing from Kendrick Lamar. And now we're talking, you know, this is like, to me, this is the elevation of rap to a, to a real, 
a real place. And it's like, because, and maybe it's because I could, you know, it was more relatable to me than, than living in, than, than having to live in East LA, for instance, which I have no, right, right. Right, no way to understand. And no, right? no frame of reference. Right. No, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I was a little surprised when you said it felt inauthentic up to the point of little Kim. Because yeah, little, yeah. because for I, me it I, would it, be right. It you was know, a long like, journey for me to get into hip hop and, and rap as well. And, you know, now that I look at it and understand it and, and, and I've been sort of more educated and informed about, yeah. you know, what, what's driving it. You know, I look at what Ice Cube and NWA were doing in East LA and I, I, I'm just like, God, I love it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, it, and it's, you know, that's, that's the old window into a world thing. Well, you know, here, let me, let's back this up because, and I'm trying to remember whether it was the Godfathers of Harlem. Ty just said, Ty just fucked off to a different room. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> um, like, I'm done. There, there was, there was a, a pre-existing album that I heard back in the seventies that was like, that that's thought to be like one of the proto versions of rap, which is like the Harlem Godfathers uh -huh. or grandfathers. Is this ringing a bell? And I can't yes, remember the life of me, remember this guy, but there's a bunch of these guys who were doing rhythmic poetry readings. That, yep. that that really start to be the precursor. And um, that shit was, you know, it, um, I, I, I accidentally watched, well, not accidentally, on Austin City Limits a couple of months ago, John Legend was mm -hmm. on, and he did a whole series of 60s protest songs, right? So, like, and who am I trying to think of now? Oh, my brain's just full of Swiss cheese. Um, it's all like Ikea. Yeah, it's the Ikea is the problem. Swedish I'm, cheese? I'm, is that a, No. Swiss? No, not no, Swedish cheese. You don't want to do that. That's only no. for, you know, for those of us who are genetically the hardcores. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Anytime cheese tastes like lutefisk, there's something terribly wrong. Uh, now I'm not going to be able to think of it at all. But all, all of the great uh, the great proto-funk stuff uh, from from the late 60s and stuff. Yeah. And, um, uh, and, and, and the authenticity of those songs is just startling to me to this day. And so anyway, I, you know, I think that, that, that the, and I also didn't feel too bad about it because Ray Charles didn't like rap music either. So I felt like I was, <laughs> if whatever Ray, whatever, whatever Mr. Charles said, that yes, Mr. Charles. Give you a little credit, sir, well, sir. I, 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 to, to your, to your most recent point, I think I, I would argue that even Sly Stone was giving us glimpses of what was about to erupt. Oh, oh yeah. Oh man. I would he's, agree he's, with that. He was, that was like, to me that Sly Stone was like the whole deal in, in high school. Well, and you know, uh, for good and bad too, because not job. Oh my gosh. Do you just do a web search, cursory web search for Sly Stallone and find out, Brothers, Stone. <laughs> brothers got so what did i say stallone <laughs> oh whoops well him too but not wow. musically no um the, the, a life hard lived and oh yeah uh you know we 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 actually had a talk uh before we went live about um certain very popular music artists and the potential for them to be having nervous breakdowns in real time on social media yeah. and, oh, and, yes. and, being ah. un, and being uninvited to the Grammys where they're nominated for five <laughs> awards. Um, yeah. You know, and that goes part and parcel with being a very visible popular musician is, you know, everybody thinks that your life is now theirs to examine. 
Uh, but I, I want to, before I throw mine out there, um, Number one, Dr. Mark's in the lead because he's the only one of us that went, wait, what? <laughs> they, they got all um, four of us to go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no. um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I do think that one of the things that that's big for me when it comes to music um, and certain genres, other genres, not so much. But when it comes to vocal music and storytelling and singing in, in, in music. Yeah, you're right. There's a there's a level of authenticity that needs to be there for me to really grok, for me to affiliate with. Connect. And yeah. you know, I mean, we all know examples of popular music that was very inauthentic. I mean, uh, I flash back to the boy bands of the millennium, you of know, the nineties. Yeah, what Aaron, yeah. Fucking experience do you have with anything? You know, I was your just most your biggest concern is shoes. With my, with my brother about the boy bands, and I, I, I actually came up with what it is that bugs the hell out of me about the boy bands is that they were, it, it's it's prepackaged, highly sanitized fast food music, and yeah, and, it was style and, and over what's substance. fascinating now is is you know I just recently saw a New Kids on the Block video that they just did, and it's like. Thank God you're finally showing us who you are. You're no longer Simon Cowell's little project. You know, they're, the, the corporations <laughs> are no longer interested in you. Well, what's really funny about that period of time, too, is there were artists that got popular that were raked for that same thing when they weren't. And what comes up to me, and I guess this is, I'll, I'll have to take two musics. Um, I have a deep respect for the band and the boys in Hanson. Mm. They were given really short shrift. Yeah. They back then were phenomenal musicians for their age. And if you listen to anything that they've done lately and there's still a going concern, um they're they're a great they're a great band. They're a great group of musicians. Um and and again, that goes back to authenticity for me. Yeah, there's a kind um, of authenticity there. There really is. But the the one that I will throw out there uh, as we wrap is um, Tuvin Throat Singing. Oh, yeah. I have... You just made that up. You just came up with that. Nope. I'm not even remotely surprised that you like tube and throat singing. And that that kind of thing? Actually, yeah. Yeah. Richard Feynman, man, brought it to America. Exactly. Tuva or bust. Um, I have an absolute fascination (laughs) with tube and throat singing and and with the whole throat singing culture of Asia. Uh, Aside from the fact that I have tried as a vocalist over the years to do it, and I just sound like an aneurysm is struck. Um, it's incredibly difficult to do. And there's oh, yeah, actually yeah. some argument as to whether or not there might actually be a particular gene hmm. that allows you to do that. Now, for our listening audience who's not in Outer Mongolia, um, Tuvan throat singing, and I keep calling it Tuvan throat singing, uh, but throat singing in the throat singing tradition is being able to make <laughs> two or more 
sounds, pitches with your throat. And not only that, but to be able to modulate them differently. They're, they're harmonics. And musicians know when I say harmonics what I'm talking about. Um, but being able to get it to move and to control it. The, the idea mm-hmm. that a person can make two or three or more sounds with their voice. Yeah. I, I was fascinated when I was a child. And really where this goes for me is something where I'll just throw it out there for all of you. I grew up, you know, the, again, this kind of goes back to that joke from, uh, from um, Wayne's World. You know, where, you know, we, we, we used to get, uh, we used to get copies of Frampton comes alive with, you know, boxes of Tide in the mail. That's how ubiquitous it was. Um, but when I was a kid, it was the Steve Miller band, right? Oh yeah. And of course the huge hit jet airliner. Now, a lot of people don't realize that jet airliner is not a Steve Miller song. It was written by a guy. It was written by a guy named Paul Pena and Paul Pena was part of the San Francisco music scene where Steve Miller came out of. Um, and Pena was a fascinating and very tragic figure, but there's a wonderful movie. Pena went blind later in his life. I believe it was either congenital or it was due to diabetes. one of the two and Pena was a big guy, huge African-American man. Uh, And he went blind and he became a shut-in. And one of the things, and this was in the mid, mid eighties, mid to late eighties that he did to occupy his time. Cause he did have, he, he got a decent amount of royalties from jet airliner when it became a massive, the massive hit that it is. And, um, he had a studio in his San Francisco flat and he would stay up at night when he couldn't sleep listening to shortwave radio and Uh, trying to get all these different programs from around the world. And he stumbled upon a broadcast from the then Soviet union that was featuring throat singing. And he was mesmerized by it and quick threw in a tape and ran some tape and got some, and he was just like, and again, this is a guy, he was an American, you know, soft psychedelic musician. And he went, I got to learn how to do that. I got to learn how to do that. (laughs) And he taught himself how to do that and got so proficient in it that he was brought to Tuva to Mm. compete in, I I guess the Tuvan throat singing championship. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't recall what the actual name is. It's a whole cultural thing. Yeah. It is a huge cultural thing. And they made a movie about oh, yeah, Paul. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. It's called Genghis Blues. Yeah. And aside from the fact that it, it's a tearjerker from the beginning to the end, because this this partially disabled shut-in man suddenly gets to go to Tuva and he's uh, to say he's embraced is downplaying it. <laughs> but um I got the best of both worlds in that movie because I was able to see a musician who I really respected essentially get a a rebirth in a second life in a genre of music that I find absolutely mesmerizing. And I will live, I I, I will listen to it just for the musical enjoyment of it. Yes, Ty. Um, Have you checked out The Who? 
Oh yeah, of course. By I the am. Who, I'm not talking no. about H W O. No, no. Or, I the mean W H O. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm talking about H U. And these guys are are uh, a group that are that are out of Mongolia. Yep. Oh. And they are doing some of this stuff in a metal format. Yeah, yeah. And they're fantastic. <laughs> and it and is... it, no, don't don't under. I mean, go listen to it because no, it is do. just amazing. It, oh, it, it, and then they have a female vocalist yeah, that's, that that rides yeah, on top of above everything, and it's just really, really some striking pieces. of No, it's fantastic Found stuff. Yeah, okay. yeah. There you go, and enjoy that, Mark. And uh, meanwhile. We're going to bid you all goodbye. We are mm. starting year number two, and um, I, I don't know. You guys want to keep going? Spring is sprung, man. All right. Well, there. Yeah, that's, another that's another year with you guys? Yeah, right? Yeah, Ty, okay, I'm in. Ty's got his mouth food <laughs> like he always does. Thanks, buddy. Oh, yeah, glad to hear that. Sure. Yeah. I'm totally yeah. in. Say goodnight, oh, say goodnight, Gracie. Good night, Gracie. Gracie. You guys have been listening to Keep Your Hat On. Of course, I'm Andrew Scott, along with my cohorts, uh, Dr. Mark Peterson and Ty. I'm (laughs) chewing on something, Anthony, and Chris Vacano. And we would just like to say thanks for the fun this year for all our friends around the globe that we haven't met met yet. Uh, Thanks for listening. We're just going to keep doing this because we like doing this every other week and seeing each other's faces. And we figured that you guys might want to join in. But speaking of joining in, (laughs) give us a comment. Give us a like, click and subscribe. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. But no, shoot us a message. If you want to hear us talking about something, flapping our gums about something, let us know. We'll be more than happy to do it. More grist for the mill. Wouldn't that be so cool if some listeners gave us some ideas gosh what an idea why don't you reach out and send us an email to talk back at kyhopodcast.com ty it's almost like we wanted that from the beginning and set up an email account just for that isn't that just amazing and nobody takes advantage of it come on guys nobody we've gotten two emails and both of them were from the t-shirt company that we use to print our swag (laughs) but uh until next time everybody this is ben keep your hat on we have been the hats take care of each other wash your hands definitely get your booster shots and take care of your fellow man now more than ever everybody needs a hand be the person to reach out yours and we'll talk to you next time bye 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 well there's a chunk of time you can't get back from portland oregon this has been keep your hat on a big little show about a whole lot of nothing in particular keep your hat on is a narrow band broadcast network production in association with podsquadpdx.com Andrew Scott, executive producer. Robert Anthony and Chris Vacano, associate producers. Our theme music was written and produced by Andrew Scott, along with help from Ron Kajawa. Website design and maintenance by Vacano Creative, Chris Vacano Webmaster, available at vacanocreative.com. Audio and video production by Andrew Scott, available at andrewscottmedia.com. Got ideas or comments for the show? Email us at talkback at kyhopodcast.com and don't forget to like, click, and subscribe. On behalf of the boys, I'm your announcer, Michael Brumage. Thanks for listening. I guess. Out. That's another one of those that turned in, accidentally turned into an interesting discussion. Um, yeah. So, no, yeah. we are good. Happy um, accidents, right? Yeah. <laughs>
Right? <laughs> Nothing but happy accidents. I have no fondness for Bob Ross anymore. My ex-girlfriend ruined that. Oh. NBBN. The Narrow Band Broadcast Network. The focus is on you.